0: And now, Ideology of Madness Reads the Spam. From Lois. Thank you very significantly for your fantastic details. There is certainly, definitely a lot to understand, and as I glimpse close to, I preserve hearing distinct points of view, some that are really wise and other individuals that are quite unbelievable. I'll return with some much better feedback and in view of my personal after I really feel confident adequate to type and belief well worth stating. From Matthew. Thank you for the auspicious write-up. It, in fact, was a amusement account it. Look advanced to more added agreeable from you. By the way, how could we communicate? From Ferdinand. I was suggested this blog by my cousin. I'm not sure whether this post is written by him as no one else knows such detail about my difficulty. You are incredible. Thanks. From FrackAttack616, Fear Itself is the best comic in the history of ever. From Glenn, I have been browsing online more than three hours today, yet I never found any interesting article like yours. It is pretty worth enough for me. In my view, if all website owners and bloggers made good content as you did, the net will be a lot more useful than ever before. From Evelyn, I loved as much as you will receive carried out right here. The sketch is tasteful, your authored subject matter stylish, nonetheless, you command get God and Shakiness over that you wish be delivering the following unwell unquestionably come further formally again as exactly the same nearly very often inside case you shield this increase. From fracattack 616 That thing with Bucky being dead then not really dead? Shit, that was awesome! Fear itself for the win! From Shizuko Hiya, I'm really glad I found this info. Today bloggers publish only about gossips and internet, and this is really irritating. A good website with interesting content? That is what I need! Thanks for keeping this website. I will be visiting it. Do you do newsletters? Cannot find it. From Virgil I am glad to be one of the visitants on this outstanding website. Thank you for putting up. From FracAttack616 I hear Defenders is good too.
1: I'm Aaron. Woo. I'm Pauly. This is Wayne.
2: This is Tim.
3: This is the soccer mom.
2: Hey, soccer mom.
4: How are you guys I, doing? I thought we were replacing him with Jed.
2: I'm more attracted to Andrew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. That's fair.
3: Oh, if you guys had I mean, I mean, I could if you guys want to replace me with Jen, I, I would sign off on that. That's that seems common sense.
1: Well, word on the street is that Andrew is very generous in bed, right,
3: Paul?
5: That's what I hear.
3: Uh, that's that's <laughs> what you hear. <laughs> we well, forgot about Fear the Con Four already. Come on. Yes,
5: yes, yes I forgot about Fear the Con Four. Don't oh. remind me. No. <laughs> <gasps> so you know, Andrew's a soccer mom just like Jennifer Blood. That one comic that we read, Aaron.
1: That's right. Did you like Jennifer Blood? It was okay. Yeah, I liked it. I liked yeah, it. Bad? I think I'm gonna pick up uh, issues too. But you know, I just read the issue, the first issue of Jennifer Blood. Jennifer Blood was a comic that uh, Jen recommended to us on on last week's show, and uh, I, I kind of dug it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that's, out the next one. That's the one where she's also a highly skilled assassin. That's right. She's
5: yeah. soccer mom and killer. She's gotcha. like you, except that she's cool at night.
3: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a witty comeback, but man, I got I got nothing. <laughs> And on that your note, face. <laughs> <laughs> your mom, <Ugh.
2: laughs> oh, there we go. Somebody needs to make a mom joke for Wayne.
3: See, now, yeah, dude. Why? No, no, no. This is an issue. Why would you cripple my Wonder Wayne like that, Paul?
2: <laughs> Wonder
5: Wayne. Wonder Wayne. Is that like yeah. the Oasis song?
3: <laughs> that is an <laughs> essential part of his character. If you look at his character sheet, that is one of his core concepts. and You, you, you crippled him.
5: I did. I did. I'm like Lex Luthor. I'm Wayne Lex Luther.
3: You've got much more. So many
5: ways.
1: (laughs) So you know, uh, we had Jen on the show last week, and on our website, we had you know our show banner for that episode, which has her show logo, the panda, you know, rolling on top of a six-sided die. So funny book awards, huh? And and Andrew (laughs) sends out a note this week that says, "Hey, anyone else look at that panda graphic from this week's show and think I'd hit that?" And so the conversation goes around all of us about uh, you know whether or not uh, you know we think the panda wants it, and Paul just kind of <laughs> hangs back in that conversation. <laughs> I abstain a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul, well, until- would you or would you not fuck that panda?
5: <laughs> <laughs> if it was an actual panda, probably not. No, if no, it was we're in a panda we're about costume.
3: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Because we talked about kickstarting a a panda costume for your wife, and I believe your response to that was – Err, uh, yes, please.
5: <laughs> well, you know, the sad thing is my wife is still convinced that I should be the one wearing the chicken costume. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure this is the best idea. Well,
3: you see, now you guys will both have a costume. She can be wearing the panda suit. You can have the chicken suit on. Oh, and...
1: no, no, that's just wrong. No,
3: that's,
1: <laughs> interspecies relationship? Yeah, that, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with wearing this.
3: Because human <laughs> chicken isn't interspecies?
4: <laughs> Andrew, no. You you will not be forgiven for putting that mental
1: image in my head. <laughs> I just I just hear, you know, Paul walking into the room, you know, and there's the panda and he starts singing to her, I'm gonna make
2: love to <laughs> you, panda. I'm gonna lay you down by the fire.
4: You know, you I just all gonna... are a bunch <laughs> of dirty cluckers.
2: I, I have this image in my head that they have a bunch of animal suits in one closet. I <laughs> play Noah's Ark every week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> two by two, two by two. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, this like uh, we're gonna play It's not night. <laughs> uh, <sighs> so, so on,
5: on that, that happy reports,
1: note. <laughs> <laughs> So while you're on, on, while you're sitting there listening to this episode and you're thinking, holy shit, we're also bringing you the holy shit moment of 2011.
5: <laughs> Was Slip. that all intentional or like? Or are you just faking it now? Um,
2: a good podcaster never reveals the secrets, Paul. It's Paul, either a transition here, or it was ridiculous.
4: Here's those. a secret, Paul. If he's with you, everybody's faking it. That's
5: true. Oh! Oh! oh.
2: <laughs> nice. Look at Wayne with a joke. <laughs> that was my holy shit moment. Of
3: well, no. <laughs> Paul, Paul heard it from his mom, so there you go, Wayne.
2: <laughs> that one time Wayne made me laugh. <laughs> July. The
5: holy ship of two thousand twelve. Early in the year, really.
3: Yeah. 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 Early contender two thousand twelve.
4: <laughs> I have to say this was probably the easiest category for me out of every category we did.
3: Mm. It was had, it was it was tough for me. I, I went back and forth between two for some time on this one.
4: Without so- a doubt, not even close. My choice for holy ship moment of the year was uh during Flashpoint joker revealed as martha wayne that, that was, was that was the most jaw-dropping moment of the entire year was that issue there were a couple of moments in that issue that were really
1: shocking but that was by far that was the one i'm still talking about to this day you know when i was thinking about the the moments that uh surprised me or really moved me in 2011 the first thing that came to mind was uh just how how evocative that the scene was in Ultimate Fallout, uh, Ultimate Fallout number one, at the funeral of Spider Man, where Aunt May and Mary Jane and Gwen are walking up the uh, the the path to the church, and the little girl you know asks Aunt May you know were you his mommy you know did you make him breakfast and. You know, I, I found that scene to be very moving, and I mean, I, it still it, it has stuck with me. Sometimes. That
4: scene kicked me in the gut.
1: Yeah, and and I mean that that was just it was just so well written, it was so well drawn. But I'm absolutely right there with you, Wayne. In terms of of, of what I select as my holy shit moment of the year is. Uh, flashpoint night of vengeance number two where we where it's revealed that martha wayne is the joker um i just thought that was fantastic i think it's one of the one of the most brilliant uh bits of, of storytelling uh that we saw this year in 2011
5: yeah i'm uh so i was debating between two as well uh it was either going to be that moment or the last page of the new 52 detective comics number one where you see joker's face hanging on the wall mm. um but I think because of the emotional impact of Flashpoint Night of Vengeance number two, that gets my holy shit moment of the year also. Wow. Andrew?
3: Well, I uh, I was going between two. Uh, one, my, my runner-up was Jon Stewart blowing up Mogo in Green Lantern Corps 61. That was but, a good one, too. But the one I settled on was also Flashpoint, but not Flashpoint Night of Vengeance. Mine, just for sheer st- stupidity, not necessarily because it moved me so much, but just where you just sat there and said, holy shit, what is that guy doing? What is he thinking? What is going through his head right now? I picked Flashpoint number one. Last couple of pages, where Barry Allen's having uh, <laughs> uh, Batman strap him to a lightning rod on top of uh, Wayne Manor encode coat him in flammable characters, because that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. In that the rain. That was
4: the <laughs> highlight of all of the Flashpoint miniseries for me was that moment.
3: And much like Wayne, I still talk about that on a semi-regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> Timmy, what'd you have?
2: Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that I am, well, a lot of us picked Flashpoint cause that's, that's where I'm going, but I'm going a little different way. Uh, mine was the, uh, end of Flashpoint five when Flash gave, uh, Batman, uh his his father's letter. Mm.
4: That yeah. was pretty moving. That yeah. was another kick in the gut moment. So, yeah, that's that cool. was an
5: excellent scene. That's kinda of surprising that we all chose something from Flashpoint and all something to do with Batman. Yeah. So did anyone
4: go ahead win. I to say did anyone have a big anticlimactic moment of the year besides me?
5: Um <laughs> besides sex with your mom? <laughs> <laughs> so crippled
3: one. fired. <laughs>
4: it, for me the biggest anticlimactic moment of the year the one that they built up for well for a year threw into the press led up to the death of Johnny Storm that was the biggest letdown of a storyline of, of a death because it was obvious when it happened that he didn't die. Nobody would have thought he was dead if they hadn't you know, released all these press statements about him being dead. They had to come up with a way to say, oh, yeah, he died a bunch of times. And we just kept bringing him back to justify them calling it a death. By far, biggest anticlimactic moment of the year, the death of Johnny Storm. Who didn't even stay dead for a year.
2: And there it is. There's a lot of comic book movies that came out this year. That is uh, true.
3: Five, I believe. If, I'm not, if, I, if I counted them correctly, I think I had five.
2: Well, if you count Dylan Dog, Andrew.
3: Sorry. Yes. Being, being a resident movie person, run those down for us, Andrew. Well, the ones I could think of off the top of my head uh, are Dylan Dog, Cowboys and Aliens, Green Lantern, X-Men First Class, Thor, and Captain America. And I guess that actually comes out to six, doesn't it? Because apparently I can't count.
1: Well, it's the new math.
3: So. <laughs> yeah, those, those damn kids.
4: What about X-Men First Class? Yeah,
3: I had that. Yeah.
2: Do you have a stroke
3: so, Wayne? <laughs> Wayne, can you smell toast?
2: I can't because I made some. <laughs>
3: That's the second question. <laughs> uh so alright, for my best cover Oh, sorry, for my best comic book movie, uh I, I this was another one where I came down to two. Andrew, and I'm going Andrew? to immediately enrage this. Yeah, I'm gonna enrage you. I'm gonna enrage you. No, don't do that. But go ahead.
2: There's there's only one answer
3: for this. So <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I'm going to pick the wrong answer in your opinion then, because I was going back and forth between Thor and Captain America, and I finally settled on Captain America. I I did it for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know I loved Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. I also loved Chris Hemsworth as Thor. For me, the difference kind of came down to supporting cast, uh, in in the directing. Uh, Joe Johnson was the director. He was the same guy who did the uh visual effects on uh. Uh Indiana Jones and the uh uh, uh Ark. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the ARK and the Nazis. Wait, they all had Nazis, damn. Um but I love Hugo Weavy as the Red School, I love Tommy Lee Jones as Colonel Phillips, I love the Sebastian Stan as Bucky. Um and again, it had Nazis. I'm a huge World War ii guy. I had to go with Captain America. Tim, tell me why I'm wrong.
2: Well, I'll tell you right now, you're officially a movie critic, so that means you're always effing wrong.
3: Cause That's fair. every time
2: I read one of those people on the internet, they're they're wrong. There is one movie. There's one movie I've been waiting for my entire fucking life. It's Thor. Okay, it had, it had action. It had an action hero, not a little wimp. This dude was ripped. He they had to, they had to let out his suit because he was too ripped for this movie halfway through it. Okay. They, uh, you've got Natalie Portman, so the, you know you got good, you got good hotness there, and you know there was a couple of honest laughs throughout that movie that were sprinkled in that just, mm! and made it. And when he's whipping some frost giant ass, oh, there's only one movie. It's Thor. I don't want to hear it in anybody else's movie. Anybody else can say ditto. That's about <laughs>
3: it. <laughs> say ditto or else.
2: Wayne, what, 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 what's your favorite movie?
4: X-Men First Class. Really? Thor didn't even make second place because I put Captain America over Thor as well. Ooh. I thought out of the two, it was the better movie. But First Class surprised me. I did not expect to like it as much as I did. I went in with low expectations and was completely blown away. It, just, it was a really good X-Men movie. I liked how it played in with history. I've uh, I got all of these movies on DVD for Christmas. I've just gone through rewatching them and it was a good year for comic book movies. All three were incredible, but X-Men First Class just pushed out the others for me.
1: You know, uh, X-Men First Class kind of came out of nowhere for me in that I didn't have any expectation for it at all. You know, having seen, you know, X-Men Origins Wolverine, and it having you know sucked so hard, and if possible, having sucked harder than X Men Three. Um, you know, I really didn't expect X Men First Class to be any good, but I mean, you're absolutely right, Wayne. Um, X Men First Class was fantastic, and it was a, it was unique storytelling. Um, it was a, it was a great idea to you know tell the story of mutants in the 60s. I thought was, I thought it was really good. However, there really is only one movie this year, and that movie is Thor. Thor had everything working against it when you're making a movie. Like that, I mean, it it would have been so easy to fuck that thing up. I mean, to, for it to just look ridiculous, for it to sound ridiculous, for you know, for you not to be able to relate to the character. Captain America, I think, is an easier movie to make because you know World War II is grounded in history, and you're just making it a little fanciful. Whereas in Thor, they're introducing to the world. All of these you know crazy Norse gods and a whole different way of looking at the universe I mean they're having to introduce this mythology and they did it right I mean you 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 bought into it you 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 that they made that world real um I just I think Thor was an, a spectacular achievement and and Tim's absolutely right in that you know this is the movie we've been waiting for I think Thor is fantastic and it's the movie of the year
3: now Aaron. So many non-Anglo people, were there in New Mexico again in that movie?
1: Oh, well, there were, uh, well, there was, uh...
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, real quick, just to address Wayne's pick, uh, you know, Wayne, I, I also, just like you and Aaron said, it, I did not see X-Men First Class coming, I really enjoyed it, and if that movie was just James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender for two hours, yeah. oh my god, yeah. but... You know, their part was super strong. I thought there were other parts of that movie where it kinda of, kind of it kinda of struggled for me a little bit, but but just to interject there for a second.
5: Now, Paul. Yes. You understand. I'm the tiebreaker. Uh-huh. Ooh. Wait, no, there is no tie.
3: No, there's no tie right now. He could tie it up if he I picked Captain America. Don't yeah. fuck Which it I, up, Paul. Don't I, fuck I, it up.
5: I, I, sorry, I gotta go with Cap. I yes! gotta go with Cap. I, I, as much as I loved Thor, and I did love Thor. And this is a problem with both of the movies. Both Thor and Captain America, I felt both were anticlimactic. What? I felt Thor, yeah, with the big fucking hurricane shit. I thought that was stupid. You're stupid.
2: You are (laughs) fucking stupid. Well, said, Aaron. Captain
5: America was a little anticlimactic, Okay, okay, hold
1: on, hold on, hold on. So there's a big fucking storm in the Thor movie. What's he the god of, Paul? Thunder. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so a storm was what? Appropriate. (laughs) I
5: I didn't say it wasn't appropriate. I just thought it was stupid. You're stupid. (laughs) But uh, on the flip side, I also felt like the Red Skull being done in by the Cosmic Cube was a little, like, anticlimactic at the end of Captain America, too. But nonetheless, I enjoyed Captain America more as a film. I thought it was more visually appealing to me. Um, I I enjoyed the hell out of Captain America. Um, You know
4: know Captain America uh, could have beaten out X Men First Class for me if they would have just had the song from the old radio drama. If they would have had, if when Captain America throws his mighty shield, that that would have pushed it over the top. What
2: the hell, is, Aaron? We're breaking <laughs> news right now. We are rebranding this fucking podcast.
3: Yeah, it's it's, gonna it's gonna gonna funny be Aaron books and, Tim Tim and
2: Timmy yeah. and a bunch of ass clowns. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm well, just okay.
3: a new guy. Not, maybe maybe we are,
2: could all
4: agree on at least what the worst comic book movie of the year was. Absolutely.
5: Well, and I Dylan Dog. Oh, God, I forgot about Dylan Dog. What I, I don't say, even
4: know what Dylan Dog is. I've never heard that name before before now.
3: Uh, it's an Italian graphic novel um, that, that this movie is based off of. As I understand, and that's the one, it's the one superhero movie I didn't see this year was Dylan Dog. So I don't – I hear it's based on a private detective. That's really all I know. Did any of you guys see it? I saw it. Paul, saw tell it a more about here. it. Bam! It's, Sucker. Tell us more about it. Sucked.
5: It. it sucked. It sucks so bad. Well, okay. It didn't suck. I'll give it this. It was like a halfway decent episode of Angel that you pay $10 for to see on a movie screen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did it have, at least have David Boreanaz in it?
5: No, it had uh, a – Charisma Carpenter was Charisma Carpenter. It had – uh, I'd pay $10 for Charisma Carpenter.
3: Hell yes.
5: No, uh, there was no Charisma Carpenter. There was Gay Superman. Um, Brandon Ralph was in it. Hmm. And uh, the the Wolfman from being human.
4: That already <laughs> sounds better than Green Lantern. The BBC version or the US version?
0: The well, US know what,
2: version. Andrew, did, 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 you don't? Never mind. Oh, never mind. Never mind.
3: So my worst. Uh, having not seen Dylan Dog, uh, I took Green Lantern as, as being the worst. And I know uh, Tony Mast is screaming at his his iPod right now at me, but uh, Green he Lantern. Do- he really enjoyed Green Lantern. Ugh.
1: Yeah, uh, and Colin, it's The only sure. two people in the world. Well, you know, uh, well, here's what I find interesting is we're all arguing about, you know, which one is the, the best superhero movie of the year. And all three are Marvel properties. All three yes. that we really liked are Marvel properties. And when we come out and say that the worst one is the only DC property released this
5: year. Well, OK, so let's be honest. <laughs> there were some other comic book movies, not Marvel or DC. There was Green Hornet.
4: Oh, which was, oh it was yes. Paul. You know, we oh.
5: Dylan Dogg. There was Priest, which I actually enjoyed. And my I, even though Dylan Dog was bad, I have to say, I thought Conan was worse.
3: That's not really a comic book It's movie. not a comic book
5: movie. I, that was not a comic book Robert movie. Robert E. because it's, it's based,
3: based off a novel. Yeah. 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 Nah, all right, then
5: I'll take it out. Dylan Dogg gets my vote. More so than Green he, Lantern, he, Dylan Dogg. Did,
2: did wow, you I vote for Captain America and then bash Conan in the same three-minute three comic three book? He of did, yeah. Paul' knife is coming out. (laughs) Paul Paul left me torn. I don't remember.
4: I don't know which one was worse, Green Lantern or Green Hornet. They were both horrible. (laughs) And I saw both of them in theaters.
5: (laughs) Green Hornet was worse.
2: I got to be honest. I thought Green Hornet was worse.
4: It's a tough call. They were both really
2: really bad. Am I the only one that sort of enjoyed Green Lantern a little bit? No, I enjoyed (laughs) it because it was great, but it was okay. I, don't, know, I wouldn't put it
5: on my worst list, especially uh, in a year with Dylan Dog and Green Hornet.
4: I yeah. remembered enjoying it until he got the ring. So I think that that's going to take it out of the worst movie then, and I'm going to have to go with that. But I think uh, you have to look at good, it not yeah.
1: just in terms of, of how it was as a, just as a movie itself, but what it needed to live up to and the opportunity it had to be cool. It was definitely face disappointing. It, Green Lantern could have been the coolest movie of the year. Could've had they done that movie right, that movie would have been Righteous. And uh, you know there's there, I, there is very little there to laud in the Green Lantern movie. So that's, Aaron, what are you picking for best movie? Worst movie? Oh, worst movie, Green Lantern, absolutely.
3: So we got two Green Lanterns. We got Dylan Dog, Green Hornet, and Tim.
2: I go Dylan Dog.
3: Two Dylan Dogs. Okay.
2: Wait.
5: So wait, again, it was Batman under the no? What? The, no. that's actually best. Sorry. Forget it. Keep going. Disregard. Huh? <laughs> So, uh,
1: Green Lantern is the only one with two votes. No, uh, Dylan Dogg had two but
5: votes. Dylan Dogg had two
4: votes,
3: yes. too. Yes, and grief. So, two two categories. I'm just amazed in. two people here watch Dylan Dog. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> two movies in, and we have two ties. Awesome. <laughs> this oh, is wait. just ridiculous.
5: Can I go with the series finale of Smallville? No. <laughs> not this year? No, that was last year. That, that was not a comic book movie. I think that,
1: yeah, was, that was. I think, I think
5: that, that was. was, was.
4: Yeah. yeah, that was 2011. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. No, you can't.
5: <laughs> ah, all right, then I'll go with Dylan Dog.
4: But if we could, I would change my vote to that too.
2: <laughs> but Aaron, okay, you're moderating so- this thing. Get, a, get control of your podcast. <laughs> so we, so far,
5: two categories, no clear winner.
2: That sounds about <laughs> right for us. Yeah, <laughs> but
5: we might have a clear winner on best publisher. That we don't. <laughs> I bet we do. All right. Well, Aaron, since you seem to have a uh, contradictory feelings, who do you feel is the best publisher this year?
1: Well, I feel like everybody wants to say that DC is the best publisher of the year. If you and, say
5: Marvel, I'm going to donkey punch you. Just and
1: and, <laughs> and you know, DC certainly made a very bold move this year, but they made a bold move because you know they, they really didn't know what to do with the properties that they have. Um, you know, they they here, you know, they've got. Properties like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, three of the, of the highest profile characters in comic books, and they can't make a success out of them, well, except maybe for Batman. Um, and so they have to reboot everything, and they threw out stuff that I just love – about their comics, you know, they threw out all the continuity, they you know were, we're now moving through this whole thing where every single character they have we're having to figure out who that who those characters are. So you're getting very similar story beats in every single story they're telling right now. I think it was a bold move, and I think in the long run, it's probably going to be a good move for DC. But as a comic fan, I'm and, and as I'm trying to determine who I think is the best publisher of the year, I think I've got to look at the folks who stuck with their continuity. Who, you know, continue to tell some fantastic stories, and certainly they've had some slips. But I I, I really do honestly think that Marvel's the best character okay. out there.
3: Okay, I, I gotta get it. I gotta get in here right now. Uh, Aaron? Yeah. I have been listening to a few just a couple back episodes of Funny Books during my hiatus. Oh. Every time, and this is a semi regular occurrence for you, every time we talk about the future of the hobby, what do you say is key to the future of the hobby? Naked ladies. No, seriously.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, I like that.
1: Day and date digital?
3: Digital, well, just digital in general, expanding your Uh, your digital, going day and digital. Uh Who, who, what of the big two, who took that step to push uh, advancing the digital marketplace in 2011?
5: I don't
1: disagree. DC did that.
3: And I'm saying that if for the hobby as a whole, we can – I mean we could talk about individual properties, and we could, mm-hmm. but I'm just talking about for advancing the property as a whole. Just ignore – I, I I'm not even want, don't even want to look at the reboot. Just for going day and day digital and forcing Marvel to come along with them now, uh-huh. I, I got to give the nod to DC for advancing the comic book uh, hobby uh, into, the next, into the next step of its own. Without
4: even taking the reboot into account – well, definitely not taking the reboot into account, I don't think it's even clear-cut which was producing the better books before that. I mean, DC was struggling, but I still think they had some great books over (laughs) some really big missteps over at Marvel. I mean, Marvel, for me, the ultimate line is running great, but other than that, I'm not really that pleased with what Marvel's putting out right now for a lot of their books. I mean, without a doubt, DC gets best publisher for me this year between – Flashpoint, which was a wonderful crossover, which, you know, cro- we've hated crossovers for a while now. The reboot itself, the titles that came out of the reboot, and they had some great titles leading up to the reboot. We were upset that some of these titles were ending to be rebooted, especially Wonder Woman, for example. Wonder Woman was a great book all year long leading up into that finale, and then we were upset that it went away and had to come back as something new. Yeah, DC by far, 2011 was the year of DC.
2: Wayne just foreshadowed an explosion that's going to happen later on in this podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> so, okay, I,
5: I I have to go with DC again, not because of the reboot, even though the reboot was, you know, was did a, a ton for comics, but because of the digital announcement. Um, you know, I I really feel like whereas Marvel. You know, they announce things to the press like the new Ultimate Spider Man and, you know, Don, Johnny Storm dying. And, you know, they, they, they put out these press releases that ruin their comic books. And, you know, yes, you bring in a ton of people into the comic shop that one day. But DC has done something for comics as a whole. Not specifically for one specific comic. I mean, we just had someone on the show last week who was never into comics that went into comics just because of the DC reboot. Um, you know, between digital and the reboot, I think they, they have done more for comics this year than anyone has in multiple years.
4: Yeah, so I and look at her as think- the example. She's not just reading DC books either, DC got her in the door. And
1: now she's reading everything. That's just a sign that what they did is good for the whole industry, not just them. But, you know, here, here's the problem that I'm having with DC right now. Again, they're telling the same stories in almost every single book they're they're, they're releasing right now. Um, the, the reboot wasn't for me. You know, so while they're bringing in new folks, and I think that's great, they're losing me week over week on their books.
5: I, and I'd have to say Marvel's losing me just as much, just as much between – foreshadowing between events like fear itself and the shoddy writing and the the way their universe is put together marvel the marvel universe is not an interesting place for me right now other than a select few books which we'll talk about later i feel like marvel is just not very interesting
4: yeah i completely like, agree dc pulled me in in 2011 marvel really pushed me away i dropped almost every marvel book on my list in 2011
3: yeah i mean it, i I've, personally, in terms of quality of books, I'd say DC and Marvel are about a wash. I'm not going to say either of them are doing a super great job at, at the quality of the books, I, but I say they're about average. I, they're about even, in my opinion.
2: Well, Tim, how
5: do you feel about this?
2: Um, well, you know, I I feel like the reboot was more a marketing ploy than it was anything else, and to me that that shouldn't be rewarded. By the same token. Marvel releasing all their all their stuff to Yahoo and USA Today shouldn't be rewarded either, so I'm I'm voting for Top Cow, and I'll tell you why. It's not just a throwaway vote like I'm voting for Ron Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm voting for Top Cow because of the fact that they have, you know, five dollar trade paperbacks. They have an initiative to try to get you in the ground floor on a lot of their books, and it's the only publisher that's been mentioned in this conversation that appreciates the uh the journalistic integrity that is funny books by letting us read their comics this is true i
3: i that's a good point tim
2: I, I, I agree with every
5: point Tim made
3: but with three votes for DC, I think we can safely say that d c was our best publisher of two
5: thousand eleven now, now do you guys have a worse publisher?
3: No, I don't I don't really want to do worse. Not really, I, not uh, Blue
1: really. Waters.
4: We want these people to send
5: us free things,
4: so I don't want to call anybody the one. No,
5: I've, I've got one. I've got and I heard Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> all right,
1: well, go ahead, do
5: it. Uh, uh, for me, Atlas Comics. Atlas. Oh, is that they're the other people who do the, that Phoenix book? Yeah, remember, yeah. they had this big announcement. Atlas Comics is coming back after all these years. <laughs> Atlas Comics is going to be the next great thing, blah, blah, blah. I think most of their books i mean and they started early 2011 they may have even started in 2010 we've still only seen four issues maximum from any of their books constant delays you know they they were they were talking like this was going to be this huge thing because it's you know because people uh, demanded it people demanded these characters that you know these were characters that were created by the same people who started marvel blah 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 and you know it sucks. I I got to be honest. I, they suck. Um, and, you know, and this is just not it, I was just kind of excited about it. You know, even though I was never into the original Atlas comics, a new publisher, brand new publisher getting into the media like that and and just kind of fumbled the ball when they had it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
5: So that's that that, that was my opinion.
1: Well, speaking of fumbling the ball, <clears throat> let's talk about worst event of 2011, and I, I will I will jump right out there and say it was Fear itself. Second, yeah, yeah, Fear itself.
5: Hardcore, hardcore Fear itself. Yeah. Oh no, wait, no, sorry, no. sorry, sorry. I take it back. I had something else written down. Worse than Fear itself, Aaron.
1: How is that possible?
5: Shadowland. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was a good. That was last year though. Infestation. Oh. Uh. I, I went with. Uh... It,
1: But, you know, I mean, again, you know, infestation was a little indie production. (laughs) What did you really expect out of
4: infestation? The concept (laughs) explained everything you needed to know. Fear itself never explained anything. It had another anticlimactic death that wasn't really a death. It-
1: well, and Fear itself had. Uh, when you look at it in two different ways, one, you know, production versus the writing. The production was amazing. Stuart Amonin's art killed on that book, and i've I've never seen. I've never seen artwork so poorly matched to a story before. Not saying that the artwork was bad, but that the story just didn't live up to what the penciler was laying down. Because yeah. those pages were amazing.
4: Well, yep. and the other reason Fear Itself definitely gets it is that Infestation was self-contained. It was a bunch of these one-shots or miniseries, things like that. It didn't ruin the regular monthly books like Fear mm-hmm. Itself did. Fear Itself took books that people were loving. Thunderbolts. How many weeks did we hear Tim complain about what they were doing to Thunderbolts? The only tie-in to Fear Itself that wasn't you know painful was Avengers Academy. And think of how good good the book could have been if
1: it didn't have to deal with fear itself. Wow. Think of how good the book could have been if it didn't have to deal with fear itself. But, you know, think about... I mean, Avengers Academy was so strong during during that run. I mean, it was the only book that I could pick up throughout Fear Itself that I didn't feel like lost its way. You know, I thought Avengers Academy was so strong during Fear Itself. But the rest of Fear Itself, every tie-in... Every issue was terrible.
5: Yeah, I, I will give you that. You know, the both Avengers books, which were solid-ish until that point, I mean, they, they had these interview issues that were just terrible, terrible issues. Yeah. I just, yeah, Fear Itself, I mean, well, I do think Infestation was absolute trash. Fear Itself did kind of, much like Secret Invasion, but, uh, you know, in retrospect, I enjoyed Dark Reign. However, Fear Itself ruined the Marvel Universe much like the End of Secret Invasion did for me.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. Cuz
5: remember we all dropped Marvel for like a year after Secret Invasion. And you know, then you know some of us went back and read some of the Dark Reign stuff and enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. But I don't feel I'm going to have that same feeling well going but i'm mean, reading the marvel now but you know
1: the, the funny thing is is that secret invasion at least had an impact on the marvel universe i mean whether you like the ending of that story that story or not uh secret invasion has had a lasting impact it's a story that they continue to come back and touch point on um you know it's like fear itself never happened
5: well, essentially yeah. fear itself in issue 7.1 7.2 and 7.3 undid everything that happened anyway right you know, Bucky came back alive, or never died. Right. Thor is alive, or you know, I guess never died too. You know, it's just poorly, it's poorly bad, planned. Bad,
1: bad, bad, bad story. <laughs>
5: now, I, I do have to say, the the one the one person that came out of this unscathed was Stuart Amonin.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, God, his. I mean, I, what they need to do, what I would love to see, is an artist's edition of Fear Itself collected where they take out all the dialogue. There's no text <laughs> in the book at all, and it's just his artwork. Because yeah. those pages are glorious. Well, I have, I mean, I've always enjoyed Stuart Amonin's work. He he was at the top of his game.
3: That was
5: Grawbadger, Von
3: I was, yeah. was going to say, also let's give a shout-out to the, uh, the colors there, Wade yeah. Van Badger I mean, come on. Von
2: Grawbadger.
3: Von Grawbadger. Yeah. No, you know let's, he's, let's you know he's an answer.
2: <laughs> Let's be fake. Maybe. That might have, that might have been slander.
3: Now <laughs>
2: we, we all we all know that was the easy part, and just for you know, everybody scoring at home, I am I'm going with fail itself as well. Nice. But yeah. Paul, what was your favorite event this year?
5: You know, I had two. Same two here. I was Got
2: debating two. between.
5: One was Spider Island. Yep. The other was Artifacts. Mm. Those are I, my two. I went with Artifacts because of the sheer sheer fact that with Spider-Island, I did feel lost in certain places, not having read any of the tie-ins, whereas Artifacts did not require me to read any other books other than the 12-issue series itself.
4: Wow. Neither of those made my list of what I was... uh debating between. Spider Island was good, but I didn't think it was really that good. And Artifacts, I lost interest in early on. I mean, I think maybe going if I go back now and read it, I'll probably you know, enjoy it a lot better. But it did not hook me at all. I mean, there was a lot of dragging along. It seemed to take too long to get to the story. It, this wasn't even difficult for me when it came to the event. It was Flashpoint.
5: And I, I I enjoy the hell out of Flashpoint. I do. The reason it didn't place for me was because so many storylines were set up and unresolved. That you know, the end it only resolved the main conflict, and I wanted more of the other stuff.
1: Well, and and Flashpoint. I, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but we were hit and miss on several of those those issues. And I, I'm right there with you, Paul. I mean, I thought it, I thought it had a strong finish. You know, with the letter. Uh, that uh, Flash gave to Batman. But the, all the tie-ins to that, we got, uh, you were left dangling on so much of that stuff that's never going to be resolved. Um, and really, there was only, in in my opinion, there was only one Flashpoint Mini that was worth a damn. You know, Batman Night of Vengeance. The rest well, of them were all kind of half-told stories.
4: And that goes back to the point I make. Every time we do one of these big events, don't buy the tie-ins.
1: Yeah, you say that, Wayne, but so
4: many times... I didn't buy any of the tie-ins except for World of Flashpoint and Batman uh, Night of Vengeance. And for me, everything got wrapped up. Everything I wanted to see got wrapped up. I enjoyed the entire crossover more than you did because I didn't buy all the tie-ins.
2: Yeah, well, you picked the right tie-in. If you were like me and reading Aquaman and Wonder Woman uh, and you read uh, Flashpoint 5, you wanted to strangle a chicken.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, think about the Booster Gold series, you know, and, and yeah, how – you yeah. know tune back into Flashpoint, you know, uh, last issue for, for the conclusion of this, and it's a panel. You know, when you're promised more Gorilla Grodd in that fantastic Gorilla Grodd one-shot, and you get a panel in the last issue. <laughs>
2: three-quarter-inch panel. Yeah. You know, gorilla.
1: <laughs> I mean – come on, DC. Take a dick out of my ass.
4: I say I don't blame the event for the Booster Gold, you know, horrible ending there. I – I blame the book itself. That was Booster Gold's problem. They had taken that book and gave us this wonderful, incredible story for this lackluster ending that had nothing to do with the main tie-in. I mean, I blame yeah, the book man. on that. I don't blame yeah, the but,
2: – but Wonder Woman yeah, Aquaman was really good. And then it they did. didn't pay
4: off. So that's, yeah. a, that's a whole different story because that is one of the tie-in miniseries. It's not just the regular issue telling its story. Booster was one of was different because it was the, it was re- the
3: only third. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it was the regular series that was telling its story in that universe.
3: Well let me let me put my vote in here. Um uh, I I did not read artifacts, so uh obviously I can't compare that. But for me it came down to Spider Island and uh, uh Flashpoint. And it did have a soft ending in Flashpoint, but I think the overall quality of it and and as much as I enjoyed just the hell of it. I love the Andy Kubert art in it. I I thought it was beautiful. Um, I'm going to have to go with Flashpoint as well.
1: Well, you know, I I had on my list Artifacts and Spider Island, and I like them both for very different reasons. Um, Spider Island was just crazy fun. You know, I I just I I was excited about it every every uh, I guess every week or every other week that it came out. Um, I, I just, it, it, it hailed back to those events, uh, from back when I was a kid that were just fun, you know, a bunch of superheroes getting together, you know, beating stuff up. It was fun. Um, artifacts, I thought it was, it was a rather bold story. In fact, you know, um, Wayne was saying that he lost interest and I do think that artifacts kind of drug on a little bit, not in the story, but just in how frequently the book was coming out, you know, um, uh, I think it did in the story as well. That
4: first issue ended with a, holy shit, things are going to happen now. And then nothing happened.
1: Well, I went back and and this week reread all 13 issues of uh, Artifacts. And man, that's a strong story. I mean, it reads so well together. I'm selecting Artifacts as my event of the year. I, I think that it, it is bold storytelling. I like that it's a clear vision. One of the things I really dig about it is the fact that it's Ron Mars telling the story from beginning to end. You don't have a bunch of different voices uh, with connecting miniseries. It does reset the Top Cow universe. I dug it. I dug and, it.
5: And, and you get to see Witchblade make it. Bam.
3: Done. Damn. Yeah. So that brings us of, to Tim. You. For the for, for the tie breaking vote, we go to Tim. Possibly, That's not going to
2: be a tiebreaker.
3: <laughs> oh, okay. um,
2: I, I I I felt like Wayne with it when it came to artifacts, and I think that when I read collected, I might have the same opinion as as uh, Aaron and Paul. But for me, for the books I read, I really liked War of the Green Lanterns. I I thought that was a fun story, and that might be because I don't have Green Lantern fatigue like a lot of the people on this podcast, but there's a couple of scenes in that in that issue. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun guy moments, and you know when John Stewart plugged Mogo in the ass. Oh, up, yeah, that was hot.
3: That was awesome.
2: And when Green Lantern actually destroyed Krona, that was pretty tight too. Yeah, I'll give it. You know that that crossover or that event started weak
5: and ended super strong.
3: Absolutely.
2: So yeah, I'm going with War of the Green Lantern. So you guys can have your tie.
5: We have a tie. <laughs> Damn. All right, so, so I, artifacts and Flashpoint.
1: So the our next category is uh mini series. There are two for me and, and you've already heard me talk about it quite a bit, you know, Flashpoint uh, uh Night of Vengeance, the 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 Batman book was just fantastic. But there was a there was another series that uh, we really didn't talk much about on the show this year. Um but it was Greg Pak's uh, Red Skull incarnate. Um, I, I enjoyed that book, uh, from beginning to end and it is a, it is an extraordinarily dark story. It is not a superhero, supervillain story. It's just, you know, story set in, uh, world war two era Germany and it's the origins of the red skull, you know, and you never get to see him as the red skull in the book. It's, it's him, you know, the, the layering, the foundational evil that becomes him, uh, I mean, it was a fantastic character portrait but uh, I've got to select one so I am selecting uh, Flashpoint Night of Vengeance as the best mini I that that issue number two with my holy shit moment of Martha Wayne being revealed as the Joker um, the payoff at the end of that story I think it was you know issues one two and three the whole package fantastic book and it, you know when I was putting my list together I'm like when is this being collected? when do I get to read this book and trade? Has that any of that been collected yet?
5: Um, I don't know. To be honest with you,
1: uh, I don't no, think it, so. It was just fantastic, and, and and I can't wait to to read it in hardback. So DC, I need you to make that happen.
5: Agreed. So I'll go next because I also had two, um, and my first one was Batman: Night of Vengeance number two for the very same reasons that Aaron said. Um, however, I my second. Was uh, from IDW, which was Rocketeer Adventures. And when you have a creative team that includes Alex Ross, Mike Mignola, Jeff Darrow, Mark Wade, Gene Ha, Darwin Cook, John Cassidy, Michael Kaluta, I mean, it was just nonstop heavy hitters telling stories of the Rocketeer. Um, easily hands down, the most beautiful book of the year, um, but it was an anthology. And as much as I love anthologies, I felt having one story, which was Batman Night of Vengeance, was definitely the winner for me. Um, now, that doesn't no, – but I would definitely say seek out Rocketeer Adventures. But Batman Night of Vengeance, hands down, best mini of the year. Um, if we were giving out a one-shot, just a special shout-out, I think Superman Beyond kind of blew all our minds this year. And I thought that was pretty dynamite. I'd love to see a mini-series for 2012 that follows up on that. No?
1: I was muted. I'm sorry. Yeah, that Batman Beyond book was fantastic. Was that a 2011 book?
5: Yeah, Superman Beyond was uh, number zero was in 2011.
1: Yeah, not Batman Beyond. Yeah, Superman sorry. Beyond. I'm sorry. But yeah, no, that was a fantastic book. And as a one shot, it was it was uh, it was certainly a winner. So
4: I had three that I was bouncing around, and uh, no big surprise. Batman Night of Vengeance is one of the three. It was just so good, and it's one that we're still talking about now. Uh, another one that I was debating on was the Ultimate Universe. The uh, the last one that was out was Ultimate Doom. All of those, all three of those miniseries, though, in that big trilogy of miniseries, were all wonderful. They reset the universe, and they're giving us great books from it. But I'm not. I'm going kind of against the grain here, and I know no one else will vote for uh, for the one I'm voting for. But my number one for miniseries is Fly, Raven Gregory's Fly. That book, it just – there's something about the book that caught everything I was looking for and just blew me away. It was my favorite reading experience of the year. Out of everything I read, even the New 52 stuff, I enjoyed this more than anything else to the point that I seriously – if it wasn't – wasn't all sold out here and i may even look for it online i still want to buy copies for all of you of the trade paperback and mail it out to you because it was that good and it just completely won me over
1: excellent i'm ready for you to do that wayne
3: (laughs) agreed
4: (laughs) send me your addresses and you'll have uh, copies of the fly trade paperback on their way to you sweet awesome i I enjoyed this miniseries that much that i'm willing to put my money behind it because I, I want this to be successful. And a company like Xenoscope is a small enough company that I know these kind of sales actually make make more of a difference than they would for Marvel or DC. So, yeah, I'm throwing all my support behind Fly.
3: Woo. That's awesome, man. Uh, Good uh, that's fantastic. For, for me, myself, uh, and I, I went with uh, Flashpoint, Batman, Night of Vengeance as well for reasons that have already been uh, adequately explained by Paul and Aaron.
2: You know the best mini series I read was uh, Flashpoint Aquaman, but I'm not rewarding the fact that they didn't finish that that story. So I'm not voting for one. This category can suck it. <laughs>
3: there
2: you go. So
5: is this our first clear winner? I think it may be Flashpoint Night of Vengeance.
4: But you know they just clear no, win- DC comic DC Comics was a clear winner for uh,
1: publishing. Yeah, not in It editing. was oh, yeah. not in editing. It won't be. Yeah, <laughs> you know uh I, I i think it really does show the high point because i that that's just i think that's going to be one of the books that i talk about even going forward into 2012 because the batman night of vengeance was just fantastic
4: it was one of the few mini series that i gave my wife to read this year and she enjoyed too i mean it's it was my number two by far if it wasn't for fly any other year that would have easily been number one for me because it was just
3: that good.
5: So our favorite category of the year is our next category.
3: best. Oh, Paul, can I mention something real quick?
5: Okay.
3: So we don't have a worst miniseries category, but if we no. did, my winner would be Power Man and Iron Fist because that sucked. Yeah,
1: Powder, Powder Man <laughs> and Iron Fist was
3: awful. That was crap. Yeah. Yeah, because so I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I felt it deserved uh, acknowledgement, but go on.
5: <laughs> now, our favorite category of the Funny Book Awards, Tim's favorite category, really, best and worst cover of the year.
0: We're
2: going best. We're going to do best first. Okay. We're going to, we're going to go <laughs> with the positive. And... uh I guess because this is the, you know, the the, the, uh, the Tim area of the show, apparently. stupid. Um, I picked Amazing Spider-Man 672 as my best cover.
1: Describe um, the cover to us.
2: Uh, this is the one where Peter is, uh, he's got like the, the spidey bottoms, but he's shirtless on top of the tower with Mary Jane wearing the spidey top.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a good cover.
2: It's the horde of spiders. And... I picked it also because it's one of uh you know one of my buddy Wayne's favorite artists Umberto Ramos.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: there
2: you go. Well, Andrew, what was your
5: favorite cover of the year?
3: Well, uh, I had a lot of great great covers. You know, I loved uh, Chris Magic Number Two. I enjoyed Shinku Number One. Shinku. Uh, there was a couple from the War of the Green Lantern that were just beautiful, but I ended up settling on Green Arrow Industries Number One Flashpoint tie-in. Uh, it, it's the picture of of Oliver Queen there with his with his heavy duty assault rifle, shotgun with, I don't know why you need to put a giant scope on a shotgun, but still, and he's got the little uh, choir of missiles behind him, and it's just it's just gorgeous. You know, if we
4: did have a best one shot category, that one would have gotten it for me.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But I, of course, that uh, let's see, the cover is by uh, uh Victor Cornstach. Not who wrote it. No, the, the <laughs> covers by Victor uh, Kalachev, but it was written by uh, our good fri- friend uh, Pornsak Pisachio.
2: Pornsak,
3: <laughs> who is
4: going to get the honorary title of best writer name?
3: For the <laughs> <Yeah>.
5: that's one <laughs> of those down. ones we don't vote on. You just kind of hand out.
3: Yep. So, uh, uh, Paul, how about you?
5: Well, uh, well, I agree. On Shinku, though I feel Shinku Two had a pretty dynamite damn cover. um, I I have to say my favorite cover of the year was Daredevil number seven, um, which features uh, a snowy scene. Is that the um, one where
1: he's doing the snow angel?
5: Yeah, where Daredevil is doing a snow angel on top of a water tower, and um, it's just this subtle piece, and it's just like a just much like the series, it's a Daredevil we haven't seen ever. Um, and it was just I, – I thought it was a dynamite, dynamite cover. So I'm going to go with Daredevil number seven.
1: That was actually in my, my top uh, couple of, of covers because I do love that cover. And it was that Paulo Rivera or uh, – that's Paula Rivera who did that, uh, that cover, isn't it?
5: It was.
1: OK. I and mean, it's just – it's a great cover. But I have to say one of the things that I was really struck by this year were the covers to Red Skull Incarnate. Uh, David Aha did these fantastic covers that uh, you know the covers either look like they were from Nazi uh, propaganda newsletters or Nazi propaganda posters. You know, really had that that World War II era feel to them, and they're just so effective. Um, I, I'm going to go with Red Skull Incarnate Number Two, which has this image of the Red Skull. Uh, you know. Uh, speaking to the troops down below him and, and, and whatnot I mean it's just it's a fantastic uh, uh, representation you know it has has the red skull out there with the with the little Nazi salute and, and the the lined up uh, Nazi legions and the flying you know, Nazi bombers in the background it's just it's a fantastic cover looks like it came out of the Smithsonian or something out of their you know the historic archives uh, I really love it. Wow,
4: so none of us picked the same cover because mine is Booster Gold number 46. And I think we all picked covers that just really spoke to us. Booster Gold 46 was during Flashpoint, and it was the one where Doomsday, you see his uh, his right arm and his right leg and the bones coming out of it, and he's holding the ripped-off front star from Booster Gold. It's like That was a powerful, powerful Doomsday picture there.
5: I could see that. That was a good cover. I'm feverishly Googling all these covers as we talk about them. (laughs) I am too, Paul. (laughs) Now, really, I think what everyone is most interested in, though, is what did we feel was the worst cover of the year? You know, I don't have a worst cover. Really? I really
1: don't. Wonder Woman number one.
3: Green Lantern Corps number 58.
1: Green
4: okay.
3: Lantern Core number. Okay, well hold okay, on. You can't just say the numbers. You got to describe the, the cover. Well, Aaron, you will remember this one because you, in particular, had bad feelings about it. It's the uh, Green Lantern core number fifty-eight. Features uh, John Stewart uh, thrown down with Kyle Rayner, uh, and it's the two of them in the center of the cover throwing punch each other, and then surrounding them there's just this big. It's like someone puked green oh. over the rest of the cover, and yeah. they're just running into each other. These constructs, and it's just it's awful.
5: Yeah. Yeah, that 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 did suck. Tim, did you have a worse cover this year? Did Did you go yet, Paul? No, I, I guess I, I can go first. I demand you
2: to go last. All right.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so my least favorite cover of the year is actually a series of covers. And I'm going to go with the covers for Fear Itself. Um, I hate, hate, hate when the logo of the cover takes up more than the art. Um, you know, these are comic books and i felt the fear itself logo was kind of crap to begin with and when it takes up 3 quarters of your cover cuz you feel it's more important than the book inside and marvel has this thing cuz they started it with civil war where they feel like you're where you're, you're they feel like your logo should take up 3 quarters of your cover cuz people care about that more than the art when it comes to a comic book and they continued it through fear itself and i felt the cover design on fear itself was just lacking and boring um, for a series that was supposed to be so important, so I have to go with Fear itself. Just in general, to be honest with you.
2: No, just a little, just a little flashback to last year when I spent three hours looking through Comicsology covers. Uh huh. This year, not so much. <laughs> I, and I, you know, I'm very, I'm very tempted to, to, uh, to uh, use one of these moves that my buddy from uh, Florida taught me. And just pick somebody's favorite cover as the worst cover. Because I already wrote down <laughs> Daredevil number seven. But then I remembered the burning hatred that is Wonder Woman one. Oh. And we're going to get there in a minute here. But I, I will throw my vote in with Wayne with Wonder Woman number one. That's a shame. No, Actually, it's not. A shame. Like- <laughs> So that's a clear winner right there, Wayne. Yeah,
5: we have a clear that's winner. Right. Wonder Woman number one. <laughs> <Worst> <laughs> for the
3: worst cover. For mm.
5: the worst cover. Which brings us to, actually, we should probably talk about this now. The best and worst DC New 52 title.
3: Let's start with the worst and let Tim go first, because I'm ready. Yeah. I, want, I want to pull the pin on the hand grenade and walk away.
2: You know, JMS had a really, really nice run on Wonder Woman. I loved it. I loved what... Uh, what was his name? Hester. Somebody, some yeah. Phil Hester did did um kind of the follow up and kept the same uh, tone to the book. Wonder Woman 600 to 612, awesome book. And when they did the reboot, they had a very special little message saying we put our best artist creative teams on on all of our major Trinity books. Blah 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 blah. And then they crapped out Wonder Woman number seven, which looks like it was drawn by a dyslexic eight year old. I fucking hate that book. There is nothing of any significant value. The Wonder Woman that I had for 12 issues that I loved, gone. Shot. Crapped out. Thanks, DC. Wonder Woman 1, suck a dick.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I agree which actually, with which, which, on all points there, except it didn't get my worst... Of the new 52, because one book made me angrier than that. One book left me seething, left me telling everyone how horrible this was, left me in shock and awe that anyone could even remotely like this title, which I think is one of Tim's favorite of the new 52, Red Hood and the Outlaws.
5: It yeah. wasn't one of his favorites. He just gave it a second chance.
2: I'll tell you what. I, I cried softly into my pillow when I was banging Coriander when I was reading one of the ones,
3: That's how I feel
2: about that. So. That's,
3: that's an image right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a word picture.
2: <laughs> that's, that's words with friends right there, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, uh, uh, my worst 52 uh was was batwing I mean I didn't read it but come on it's got to be batwing
5: <laughs> What you just discredit yourself just by uh, that's, saying that's, I didn't read it
3: That's my point but come <laughs> it's batwing But go well, on Paul what 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 you Mr. ooh I read bad comic books let me tell you about them I read I'm all 52
2: is new I'm the authority blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> So I could say with
5: justification that there were two books that i couldn't even finish the first issues on and they were men of war and legion lost and i have to say at least men of war had decent art so legion lost hands down the worst of the new 52 titles
1: now you know i i struggle with two comics on on which are my least favorite or worst of the new 52. Um, And the first one that comes to mind uh, is Nightwing, because I really wanted Nightwing to be something that it's not. And uh, I I just, I really, having dropped that at either issue two or three, uh, I just, I really strongly dislike the book. Um, and it, it's sad because you know the artwork's good, um, but I don't care for the variation on the costume. Uh, nor do I care with you know. I think it was time to update Dick Grayson's character. You know, uh, he his, his character has his origins at the circus under the big top, and I think they should have shift, shifted that origin because you know circuses just aren't as relevant as they used to be. Why not have made it something like you know Cirque du Soleil? You know where it's a it's an acrobat uh, focused kind of kind of kind of thing, but no, they they kept it under the big top. Anyway, I just I didn't like the focus, I didn't like the, the, where that book was going. Hopefully, it'll change. Hopefully, I can come back to it because I dearly love the Nightwing character.
2: I think but, what Aaron's saying is every, every once in a while he craves a new dick.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Sometimes <laughs> you just got to have dick. Um the, the book that I think that was that missed harder than anything else in the new fifty two launch has got to be static shock. I thought that book was a was a great big steaming turd um, had none of the charm of the original uh, Mcduffie character had none of the charm of the cartoon i don 't know what this was, but it wasn 't uh i mean it, it really was just re a rebranding. It was New Coke is what it was. <laughs> it was – there was nothing – all it had was the label of of who the character was but had none of the charm, character, background, anything that, we, that really made Static Shock, who he was, completely abandoned the core concept of that character. Absolutely hate this book.
5: That's how you really feel about that one.
1: That is how I really feel about that one.
5: All right. So we've all heard the worst, and I think we all had different books, didn't we? Yep. Do we, let's see if we can agree on a best, which I'm, I know we can't
2: either. Nope. So, what, Tim, why don't you go first with best new 52 book? Batman and Robin. It's very easy for me. Batman and that Robin is, is Batman and Son. It's, it's friggin' awesome. I love it. I love Damian Wayne. I, I, I was nervous because I liked the Dick Grayson Damian Wayne <laughs> chemistry, um, but this book put all my all my fears to rest. It's it's been awesome. Andrew. Well,
3: you know, the one of the reasons I picked a worst uh, book, well, my worst book was one I never read, is because out of the out of the fifty two that I have read, I didn't feel like any of them actually earned the title worst. So, but out of the best, I thought it was pretty clear. I I gotta agree with Tim actually. I gotta go with Batman and Robin.
5: Wow, we might have a clear winner on this one,
3: Wayne. Well, yeah, I mean, uh,
4: I am I'm more surprised than anyone to be saying this, but Batman and Robin. It was. Uh, I hate Damian Wayne, but I still – I like what they're doing with him in the book. I am like I like the writing of the book. It's one of the few Batman titles that really hit for me. It's – everything about it is what I was looking for in Batman. Yeah. So three votes, Batman and Robin.
5: Wow. All right. Well, I, 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 I'm not going to give it a clean sweep. I'm sorry. It, it was close, but I have to go with Animal Man. Animal Man was – The most surprising book of the New 52 for me. And every month it is my favorite book of the New 52 to read. I adore that book. It is so well written, which is surprising to me considering I don't even like the writer, um, Jeff Lemire, who wrote that crappy Superboy book last year. But this book is just so awesome.
1: Now, you know, uh, if you had asked me when we were on the issue twos. For the New 52, I think I'd have had a different answer for you as to what my favorite book is. But I I really am suffering some New 52 fatigue. Um, I I am reading Animal Man and I am reading Aquaman uh, digitally right now. And I'm enjoying both of those, but I would have to say that the book that I am enjoying the most out of the new 52, the one that doesn't fatigue me, the new 52 book that when it comes out every month, I'm ex- I am regularly excited for, uh, a book that, that feels like it's brought some continuity forward, a book that the character, the, the main character doesn't seem to be trying to figure out who he is. you know there, the, there is an established character there. Is Batman and Robin? I, I that that Batman Batman and Robin book is just freaking fantastic. And not only is that it said, surprises me to say that, but I it's my favorite of the new fifty
4: two. Not only was it a uh, you know a clear cut winner, you have no idea how ecstatic I am to hear that you've been reading Aquaman because we need to talk about this on the regular series. I was so torn for my number one between Aquaman and Batman and Robin. If, it, if I didn't go with Batman and Robin, it would have been Aquaman. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't go with Aquaman. It was so, so close. So I gave Aquaman for another category, but, yeah, it's so close between those two. Yeah.
5: So Batman and Robin, clear-cut winner of the New 52. And deservedly
1: Woo! so. I, I think Batman and Robin is a solid book, and it's Absolutely. everything that I'm not getting elsewhere in the New 52.
5: And it's got DC's uh, young Loki and, and Damian Wayne.
1: And I gotta, I gotta say, you know what? uh, I I I was very excited for the 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 Superman books in the New Fifty Two, and the deeper I get into them, the more disappointed I'm becoming. You know, I'm having I'm having trouble with Superman. I'm having trouble with Action Comics, and I enjoyed the first two issues of Action Comics, but three and four, I'm having some trouble with.
3: Now, Aaron, did you try Animal Man? I did. Yeah,
1: and I'm I'm I haven't read this week's release of Animal Man, but uh, I am current uh, one through three. Okay,
5: I think Animal Man is dynamite, it, but it, yeah. it is. But I very...
1: like Jeff Lemire. I know that 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 uh, Paul's not wild about him, but uh, you know, I really enjoyed his uh, Sweet Tooth book.
5: And I have to say, I've never read his Sweet Tooth, but I did read some of his original graphic novels, mm-hmm. um, and I just I, I didn't care for them. I like his quirkiness, yeah, but I for me the the Superboy was just terrible. Yes, Um, it was. But Animal Man, and and I like it because it ties into Swamp Thing, which is the reason Tim doesn't read Swamp Thing anymore. But the way those books tie together is just fantastic.
4: And if we'd have been voting after issue one or issue two, it's very possible that I would have been torn on whether to vote Animal Man. Mm Because I enjoyed those first couple issues so much, but the series kind of went away from me.
5: Yeah, I got to say issue one would have still been Animal Man for me. Um, I do think Batman and Robin has been consistently strong through all yeah. four issues.
1: Well, and I think that it's it's moving forward. You know, it, it's 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 snowballing. It's 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 getting some momentum behind it. You can see the handwriting on the wall. Bad shit's about to happen. I'm digging the book. You and really, know, and again, it doesn't feel like these characters have just you know sprung forth from the womb. There, feel, there, there feels like there is a history around them. And you that's know, what I hate about almost everything else I'm reading in the history. That very
4: reason, because it doesn't feel new, because yeah. there is a history, is why I didn't pick it for our next category. Best New Series started in 2011. Mm-hmm. Because that doesn't feel like a new series to me. Yeah. I gave it Best of New 52, but I didn't give it you know, New Series because it's just it's really not new. Mm-hmm. So Best New Series that one Aquaman got because I, it's new it's a completely different take on the character than we've ever seen the writing is so wonderful it's I can't believe I'm enjoying an Aquaman book I mean it is one of the books that I look forward to every time it comes out one of the first books I read I always think this one's got to be disappointing I it can't be that good and it's always that good I'm gushing about it I'm giving it to other people to read it, biggest surprise of the new fifty-two, definitely.
2: No, I, 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 uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm denying that, Wayne, because yeah. Batman and Robin before that was Dick Grayson and, and and Damian Wayne. This Batman and Robin series is is new. This is a new dynamic, and yeah, it does have it does have continuity pulled in. So I, I get you have like a half point. It's not a full point. So I, I'm I'm voting Batman and Robin again.
1: I am batting – I am batting. I am, I am, batting. <laughs> I am voting uh, Shinku. Shinku. I am thoroughly digging Shin, Shinku. It is scratching me right where I itch. The uh, Vampire Ninja storyline, I, I, I dig it. I'm excited every month when it comes out or whenever it comes out. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it. it's had some delays this year, uh, which is a little rough, but it is creator-owned book, so I'm willing to cut it some slack. Love Shinku. I like the voice of it. I like the art on it. It's a really edgy kind of book. Uh, I am I am wholesale into Shinku.
3: What well, you beat me there, Aaron. I also am going to have to go with the Shinku Shinku because <laughs> it it's, it's very different. It's uh you know it's obviously not a super's book. It's it's fantastic storyline. I love the kind of dichotomy between. The the flashbacks to feudal Japan and the present day storyline, and uh, it's you know Ron Mars and Lee Motor uh, are doing fantastic. And I love how Lee Motor draws Shinku. Oh yeah, and and you see a lot of a lot of times we see women drawn, uh, uh, they're not very realistic for w- what they're doing on panel, and she just uh, looks like she could actually do all the crazy shit she does. Oh
4: yeah. Let's be honest. You also just like saying the name of the book too.
3: Shinku. That's that. It's it's part of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Shinku. Oh, 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 Shinku. Shinku. <laughs> Paul, how about you, man? You gonna break this deadlock? Well, okay.
5: So my my number two, a close second, was Daredevil. Um, Daredevil as a new series in 2011 far exceeded all my expectations for it. Especially since it launched at the same time as Punisher and Moon Knight, both of which I hated, and they were all part of that Big Shots initiative um, from Marvel. And DC had 52 new titles, many of which I actually enjoyed. You know, I, I do, you know, I have subscriptions to some of them. But my number one favorite title, and it's a title so good that the delay didn't take away my enjoyment of it, is Shinku. Shinku! Oh, oh Shinku! <laughs> I I I think it's just a dynamite book, and you know what? It's a year where I literally dropped almost every book that saw delays. I dropped Razzle, you know, from one of my favorite creators, Jeff Smith. I I, I just I, I'm tired of delays. I'm I'm tired of waiting. If you're if you can't get your book out on time, you know, then I'll just wait for the trade. But Shinku, despite that, despite the delays was just a dynamite book, and it didn't take away my enjoyment. And the last two issues came out within a couple of weeks of each other, so I think they're getting caught up. So, you know, all's forgiven. Shinku, yeah. hands down, favorite title of the year. Favorite it's, new title, excuse me. Favorite new title started in 2011.
3: Yeah, yeah. when, when I see that Shinku's coming out, it's like, it's like Christmas. Oh, yeah. It's like a oh, whole new Shinku, yes. It's like Christmas where people are getting slaughtered.
1: It's,
5: and they- <laughs> it's awesome. So, <laughs> but, we've, but, we've, we've talked about our favorite new series starting in 2011. Let's talk about our favorite writer or writing team. Aaron, I'll let you start this one. Uh, Ron Mars. Uh, Ron Mars, I, I, I
1: he uh, uh, knocked the ball out of the park on Artifacts. I love what he's done on Shinku, and I'm thoroughly enjoying uh, Voodoo with the exception of a little uh, thing about the art. But uh, – uh, and that's just the character design of the alien. Everything else I think in that book is fantastic. But no, Ron Mars, I I just – I love him on everything he's doing. I totally dug that uh, DC retroactive he did this year with uh, Kyle Rayner. Yes, more than any of the
4: other retroactives. That one – that – Got the point of what the retro- retroactive was supposed to be. It actually felt like it was a story told during that time
1: period. None of the others felt like that. Yeah, I, I just, I, I Ron Mars, Ron Mars is my, uh, my writer for 2011.
3: You know, I feel like if I had read Artifacts, I'd probably pick Ron Mars as, Mars as well because you know I loved what what he does on Shinku and Shinku. I, on the other hand, I also love Paul Tobin for what he did for eight issues on Spider Girl. Uh, yeah. But at, in the end, when I had to look at the entire year as a whole, I will dance a lot because that guy, I don't know what he's taken, but he is a madman <laughs> turning out two issues of Spider-Man every week. Uh, he's really for every me, month. Let's clarify. He's not sorry. That much mad sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. My, my mistake. Two issues every month uh you know he's really brought spider-man back from a place where i didn't i didn't want to read him uh you know he, he's got a great story he's got great dialogue There there's black cat in a milk bath Ooh, we can thank him for that and uh uh you know he took away the spider sense he, he kind of worked out that whole death of marla jameson it is marla right yeah uh it, I, I just think it's been fantastic all year
2: tim i had i had two names written down I had Kieran Gillen from Journey into Mystery, and I had John Rogers from D and D.
3: Oh yeah,
2: John John Rogers in D and D. Just the the book has this fun, like camaraderie humor to it that is kind of rare. It's pretty rare for a book to make me laugh out loud, and D and D makes me do that almost every single issue. But the reason I went with Kieran Gillen is Kieran Gillen is tapping into the Norse mythology that I haven't felt since Walt Simonson. Yeah. And so I, I, I had to go with I had to give the nod to Kieran Gillen for his work in A Journey into Mystery.
1: Well and I gotta say about Kieran Gillen is that you know, sometimes you hear the story pitch, you know, that uh that he's gonna be writing. You look at the story pitch, you're like, mm, I'm not if I'm interested in that. Oh, Kieran Gillen's writing it. I'm in. You know, because he's all—I mean, he can take something that you just know that other writers wouldn't be able to deliver on, and he does. I mean, it is—it is solid across the plate every time when he throws that ball out. I mean, the—the the, uh, journey into mystery has been fantastic, and has—you know, it was—it was a spinoff from Thor, and it is much better than Thor is.
2: It, it is, and it makes me not miss Thor. Yeah. Which? Yeah. Yeah, you're getting your fix. Surprising. Yeah. yeah. All right,
4: Wayne. I'm going with the only man that was able to write a Fear Itself tie-in that I actually enjoyed. Christos Gage,
2: Avengers Academy. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. I think he incorporated Fear Itself into his book in a way that was uh, organic. And not, and that was pretty rare to see in event in events when it came yeah. to crossovers. It
4: was a tie-in, but it focused on the characters. It wasn't a throwaway story because the characters were actually impacted by it, and the events of it are still continuing on, having an impact on the characters. I mean, I hated everything to do with fear itself, but I still enjoyed my you know the book i was loving despite being the tie-in and it didn't suffer for it that was impressive to me paulie
5: so i had a couple i was choosing from i I love ron mars we we, you know ron mars is a friend of the podcast you know not to kiss his ass but he did some (laughs) extremely extremely solid work this year um, between artifacts, I've enjoyed his run on Witchblade, which did come to an end this year, which you know was a pretty big deal. Um, you know, Voodoo, I enjoyed the first four issues of. Uh, you know, Ron Mars, uh, great writer, love Ron Mars. Dan Slott was good because you know, based purely on volume, you know, I mean, the dude yeah. <laughs> put out all these books, and you know what? Very few of them weren't that good, but there were some missteps along the way. I mean, let's be honest. You know, they're, Not every issue of Amazing Spider-Man is a nugget of gold.
3: No, every issue, Paul. You like <laughs> the one written by Christos Gage? Yeah, that was a little off. <laughs>
5: yeah, that one sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, I think my favorite writer of the year, the one whose who's writing style I have enjoyed... J.M.S immensely <laughs> yeah. i, I you know, I'm you enjoyed gonna... that walk across
1: america did you <laughs> <loved
4: it>. hey <laughs> jms was a net zero because his wonder <laughs> woman was so good it made up for the crap that was his superman to leave him even so we could just not discuss it
5: <laughs> i'm gonna go with my buddy timmy kieran gillen i uh, I, I, this is the second time I've used this word. I adore Journey into Mystery. I think it's a dynamite title. Um, I fucking hated Fear Itself, but it made Fear Itself better. <laughs> um, it wrote Fear Itself better than Fear Itself was written. Um, not only that, the Christmas issue of Journey into Mystery was probably one of my favorite single issues of the year.
2: Uh,
5: and so Kieran Gillen, it gets it for me. Uh, a young, you know, The way he writes young Loki... I feel, is just as strong as the way P. Tomasi writes uh, Damian Wayne. And, uh, you know, those are two of my favorite characters in comics right now. So, Kieran Gillen.
3: Well, you know, it seems like a lot of times it's easy for us to be negative, but looking at at all these authors who hit Christos Gage, Karen Gillen, Dan Slott, Ron Mars, I think it I think it really helps remind me that that there's a lot of really good comics coming well, out despite despite the way it may seem that we wax on about the ones we really don't like. Well,
1: and think about the guys that we haven't even mentioned that you know just don't really have the volume to really come up as as best writer. But you know, Daryl Gregory, his oh, uh, yeah. Planet of the Apes book is outstanding john well, rogers sticky, sticking with gregory's raven gregory
4: uh-huh yeah he only yeah. had he only had one book that i read but it was so wonderful
3: i mean and john I could, rogers on D uh uh paul tobin on spider girl there's yeah, mark, great writers mark wade yeah
5: well and you know one one of the series that we haven't mentioned but is truly truly deserving of an honorable mention this year is um daryl gregory's dracula company of monsters oh absolutely
1: God. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. fan freaking fantastic.
5: You know, it, it may not have ended up on any of these lists, but it is truly worth your time.
3: Yeah. Well, it was weird because I didn't feel like it felt into the miniseries, even though it was a limited run. Right. But I didn't really think it was an ongoing. Se- I, I I'd had a hard time placing it. But you're right, Paul. It it definitely deserves a lot of accolades. Accolades. Or accolades. Well, and al- and al- altoids. Whatever. Why can't we
1: give them both? Why do we have to be <laughs> so limiting? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you're either in one camp or the other you either get your accolades or your alkaloids
3: <laughs> well you know you need you need some heavy salt sometimes but go on. what about your arcanoids i don't know what that But stop making up words paul
5: <laughs> am i a oh god am i the only one who knows what an arcanoid is yes wow that's sad i thought we all were you know similar age but whatever
3: but let's move on to best and worst. <laughs> oh no, let's let's move on to worst writing. We've talked a lot about the writers we love. Can uh, we say the
2: chorus?
5: Hold on. Before we what? do this, let's put a little disclaimer. You know, we we love comic books. We truly love comic books. We love the comic writers, all of them who have been on the show. Great guys. However, there are some writers who have put out nothing but disappointing work this year. And I think I don't know if we're all uniform on this, I think but we can, I know a couple of us are.
1: Well, I think that that for the second year running, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt Fraction has
2: Matt Fraction,
3: yeah. Matt, Matt Fraction. Fraction. Matt Fraction. I hate to say that and Matt you
2: know, Fraction voted for himself in this category. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Oh, no, I it's, you know what it's, he did
5: because if you listen to his interview on Word Balloon, yes. he even says he's a shit writer. No one is more down on that fraction than that fraction is.
3: Now, now was because I, I didn't hear this interview. Was he being self depreciating or, or was he being serious? He
5: was being kind of a dick, to be honest with you. Listen to the interview.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, great. I, I, why don't I just Google it, Paul? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, uh, Matt Fraction gave us Fear Itself, oh. um, which was uh, crap. Um, he is, it was
3: incomprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and by gave, Thor. you mean
4: shoved it down our throats and uh, ruined a bunch
1: of decent titles. Well, and, you know, he took a book, Thor, which I deeply wanted <laughs> to love, that had the outstanding artwork of Olivier Copiel, um, mm-hmm. and made it a book that I, I had to get off of. And you Thor's
3: know. coming off of JMS's and Kieran Gillen's excellent runs. I mean, yeah. Kieran Gillen had a little of a bump at the end, but I mean it, he was coming from a strong starting point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just
1: completely voiced the character wrong. Um, this whole yeah I mean, he seems to have forgotten that Thor just came back to life. Why did you kill him off again? I I don't <sighs> get it. I mean, I, I when I, I can't read Invincible Iron Man anymore. Um you know, how how many issues did we read on Iron Man earlier this year where, you know, Tony Stark
5: didn't put on his armor? Yeah. I mean, defenders. Oh, defenders. The Defenders. Yeah. You know, I mean, Matt and I, here's the thing. Matt Fraction, much like Grant Morrison, is a hated writer who has invented one of my favorite characters. He invented young Loki. He created young Loki. Love that character. Love that character. I give him 100% credit for that character. He can't write that character, though. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and here's the thing is, I've seen Matt Fraction write amazing stories. I just haven't seen any in two years.
5: Which, I, I don't know if it's a result of Overload or what. Because he, it, you're right, he is a, he can be a solid writer. Um, not just a solid writer, an exceptional writer. Because he did win the first year, the the first Funny Book Awards, as our favorite writer.
1: That's right. And then, you know... He has held on to the uh, to that other award for the last two yeah. years, so yeah. uh, well, hey, it's
2: disappointing. He can even out his mantle place.
1: Here's the thing: is I, <laughs> I, I want I want to enjoy Matt Fraction stories, you know, but I don't know what's happened. I don't know if it's it's that label of architect of the Marvel Universe, but uh, I'm I, I, I when I see his name on a book now, I avoid it.
5: Yeah, and it, Matt Fraction is an artist with wonderful ideas. Fear itself wasn't a bad idea, you know. It, it none none of his stuff really comes from horrible ideas. For me, what the problem with Fear itself was behind the incomprehensibility, the characterization yeah. of every character felt wrong. Yep, every character. Spider Man running away in the middle of battle because he thinks they're going to lose. Yeah, you know, Captain America being like this. You know, gruff, stupid, badass, like redneck, you know, forming this redneck army with guns to take on the serpent. Thor, you know, the way Thor talked yeah. pretty much You know, throughout the entire series. Yeah. You know, him,
1: and in his own book.
5: Yeah, yeah. calling yeah. Hulk a pain in the ass. Yeah. I mean, that's not Thor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I've, Matt Fraction owns this award. We're we, I think that next year we have to call it the Matt Fraction Worst in Writing Award. <laughs> I think we have to name the award after him.
5: Uh, He's I our only repeat fair. winner. Yeah. So uh, best artist or art team? Who wants to go first on this one? Aaron, why don't you go first?
1: Oh, crap. i got to open up my notes. Hold on.
5: <laughs> All right. I'll go first. Okay. Um, I had a couple of – I had a couple of artists to choose from. Um, none of you guys read "A Tale of Sand," which was a graphic it's novel. It is a real book. <laughs> it is a graphic novel from Arkea by Ramon Perez. It's the probably... Arizona Travel Bureau
2: uh, <laughs> yeah. brochure. "A Tale of Sand." <laughs> Welcome to Arizona.
5: Probably one of the most beautiful books I've read this year. Um, Francis Manupel, who you know does writing and art on the Flash, visually, probably the best looking book of the new 52 however i have to go with a man who had who despite the odds despite extra sized issues and shitty writing still put out work on time all year with Stuart Amonin. he went from new avengers to fear itself and even though fear itself was garbage literally if you took out the words of fear itself it would probably be the book of the year
1: oh yeah no i'm waiting for the <laughs> artist's edition
5: yeah, the book of the year, yeah. if it just didn't have the writing on it. Yeah. Stuart Amonin, gorgeous artist. And you know what? Next week, he's doing uh, Secret Avengers number 21, and I am psyched. Yeah. I will buy a book specifically because of the Stuart Amonin art now. there are. And, vi- I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and that is 100% because of the work he's done for the last two years.
1: There are very few artists who I will go out and buy their book regardless of who's writing it. Um there are there are a handful, you know, there's ooh, I've got to have that guy. Olivier Copiel is one of those. Uh but but my not my uh my uh selection, uh not Stuart Amonin, though he is one of those guys, uh, is Chris Somney. I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed the uh Captain Captain America and Bucky books. I just oh, God, I just I love Chris Somney's style.
5: Yeah, but he's gonna be drawing Ultimate Spider Man next this year, so I can't, I can't do it.
1: I'm I I'm it. awfully excited about that.
5: I can't do it. I'm excited.
2: <laughs> Tim, did you have
5: a favorite artist this year?
2: I do. I picked Andrea DeVito for, uh, from D&D. He's done some other things, but uh, specifically his work on D&D um, has been solid. Now, he's had the problem of being able to uh, finish the book because, you know, when he gets other projects, they have to rotate an artist. But, you know, when he's doing the work and John Rogers is writing it, it's, it's a bang-up job. So
5: that's who I picked. That is a great artist. I really do like Andrea DeVito.
3: No, for me, I got to say, uh, for my, my favorite artist, uh, it was kind of tough. I, I really had about three different people I was going back and forth on. Um, and what it came down to is I was really looking at Stuart Amonen because, you know, I think as you guys had said, he, he rocked out the art on Fear Itself as much as we hated the series otherwise. Um, and he really was really great on those new Avengers. There was a couple issues of that he did before he got taken off of it. On uh, the other hand, I really enjoyed Andy Ku- Kubert's work on Flashpoint. I enjoyed Jim Lee's work on JLA, which is the only reason I'm really still reading it. So, uh, after kind of turning around for for a while, I ended up going with Stuart amonen
5: Woo! Go Stuart Amonin! Woo!
4: Wayne? I don't really have anyone for favorite. I mean... The, uh, there were a lot of the New 52 that were wonderful. Uh, I'm loving what Tom
1: Grummet's doing on Avengers Academy right now. but oh, for- Tom Grummet on Avengers Academy? How long are we keeping him on that book? Because that was awesome. Exactly. I, mean, I'm I wanted to vote Tom Grummet for, my, for it, but I don't
4: know... I don't know how how long he's been doing Avengers Academy. It hasn't been very long at all. I don't think he did it in two thousand eleven. I think it's only the stuff out this year.
5: Yeah, he did um he worked on X Men Forever with Chris Claremont. Yeah. And he was one, he's been one of my favorite artists since he did Superboy. God, the, I loved you him know, on Superboy. Yeah. Oh, man. He was loved
4: fantastic. Tom. Yeah. You know what? Screw it. Whether he whether he did any work in two thousand eleven <laughs> yeah. or not, i would still give it to Tom Grubbett because he's the only one that really jumped out at me.
5: Uh, I, so it sounds like Stuart Amonin is the only repeat vote we have. Stuart Amonin, favorite artist this year. Now, do, do we have a least favorite well, artist? Can, can anyone, anyone predict on, who, who on, my least
3: favorite is going to be? Hold on, real quick. Before we get there, I just got to say, uh, Stuart Amonin wins, but we got to give the honor of Lynch and, I think to Wade Von Garal Badger. Yes. I got to say. Yes.
5: Well, that entire art team, because it's the same art team that was on New Avengers.
3: Yes. Absolutely. And kick
4: a donkey po And poor Wait, stash. if
2: you pick if you pick the guy that did my favorite cover, we're gonna have issues. I'm gonna tell you right now.
4: I I am. There's no artist I hate more, no artist that is hurting the stories more for me when he does the art than Umberto Ramos. No. I absolutely hate that guy's art style. Shut it is her- it is just bad art. It's blocky. It Elbows don't make a 90 degrees. You don't have 90 degrees on your your uh, chins or your cheeks. Or His art doesn't look good. I don't
3: know. It, Bruce Campbell's chin is pretty close to 90 degrees, man. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is that, fierce.
4: I don't understand the love for this guy's art because there is nothing redeeming about it at all for me. He really hurts my love of the book.
3: Sorry, man.
5: I'm sorry you feel that way.
3: Uh, well, for me... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Paulie. No, you go ahead. My Worst art of the Year was pretty simple. I uh, jumped onto Spider-Girl around issue four uh, to make fun of Aaron. Yeah. And while I couldn't make fun of the story being told by Paul Tobin in that book, I could certainly make fun of the mouth Matt Southworth and Paul as a Cita, uh pencils uh, that were on for two or three issues because they... Were unbelievably bad. They made it to the point where you didn't want to read yeah. what was otherwise a fantastic, a fantastic
1: story. story. The
4: yeah, faces
3: absolutely. were unrecognizable. You couldn't recognize Craven. They draw it Raven. you didn't know who, it was just some guy. Yeah. How do you Not, screw up Craven? Come and on.
1: And I'm right there with you, Andrew. The the that is my selection as well. I I the the it so underserved the story that as much as I enjoyed the the story that was going on, it made it hard to push through. In fact, as I recall, I had that book sitting out an extra week to to get through it cuz I had to I had to force myself to get through it.
3: Yeah, when they brought in the new uh the new artistic team on issue 6 or 7, uh yeah. it was so much better. Oh yeah. Yeah. But Pauly?
5: My least favorite artist is an artist that I loved back in
1: 1996.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Rob Liefeld. Yeah. I um I couldn't do the Rob Liefeld this year. I don't know if my style has changed because his style has not. Uh, so my taste must just be different, and I just can't stand his art anymore. I literally cannot stand his art. And I, I, applaud, I applaud the hell out of Rob Liefeld. Seems like a nice guy. Gets two books out on time every month. I applaud the hell out of him. But God damn it, I can't stand his art.
1: Now, you know, I, I read The Infinite. And uh I read issues one and two and that was, you know, one of our assigned readings. And the the pencils on that book were terrible. I've not read any Hawk and Dub. Is the artwork any better over there?
5: Yeah, well if you look at the infinite and put costumes on them, and then you have Hawk and Dove. It's yeah. the same art.
1: It's so uh, there's no difference in style or no, not execution at all. there. Yeah, because I I don't get it. I, I you know I follow Rob Liefeld on Twitter, and I see you know people's comments to him about how beautiful his books are, and I'm like, really? I are you reading the same thing that I did? Because you know, not so good.
5: Well, oh, I mean, I think people will do like his art. He has he has a following, and I get that. I do get it because I was part of it at one time. I just – I can't do it anymore. I cannot do it. This is the year I decided I can't abide Rob Liefeld art. Yeah.
2: All right. Did so, we go around the table? Tim didn't vote. Timmy. I see no reason not to let John Romita Jr. keep it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I got to say, you know, John Romita John – you know, stole this award last year. Um, I think' it's, I, I think that his art on the books that I've read of his this year has improved. Um, he was employing a very busy style for the Avengers that I thought was awful and he he had employed a I don't even know what you'd call it just other than bad <laughs> cover style. but you know some of the stuff I've read of his this year has actually been pretty you know pretty good.
5: Yeah. Halfway decent.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I didn't buy it, but I flipped through the big John Ramita Jr. art book that just came out. And it reminded me of what a great artist he really is. We just didn't see it in 2010. And, you know, I, I certainly I think he had some problems in 2011. And I and I think there were choices. I mean, I don't think that you know, that it was I can't draw anymore. I think that he made some artistic choices that we just didn't respond to. Well, so I'm
2: just and gonna, I, think,
5: I think Bendis pushed him because he knows John Romita Jr. can get a book out on time. I think Bendis wrote these clusterfuck books of let's throw as much shit on the page as we can. And I think that hurt John Romita Jr.'s heart as well. Andrew, I'm sorry I cut you off. What were you laughing about? It's the moment gone.
3: I know. I, I was just gonna say that's how I'm gonna picture John Romita Jr. talking for the rest of my life is an Aaron's and Aaron's, <laughs> and Aaron's fa- uh, 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 fake voice there because I've never heard him talk so uh, <laughs> in my brain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. But yeah, that's that. I was just giggling about that. <laughs> but let's talk about what what our favorite non DC or Marvel series was in this past year.
5: Yeah. Aaron, yeah. Well, okay. before we go, we always. Funny books with Aaron and Polly, and, you know, the rest of these assholes. No, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> buddy. You're branded,
2: it's Aaron, Tim, and these ass clowns. That's right. Aaron,
5: Tim, and these ass clowns. We do focus a lot on Marvel and DC. And my resolution is that I hope to change that a little bit in 2012, focus on some of the more independent titles. Um,. And a lot of that is because of availability of certain titles and things like that. However, there there is some fantastic work being done in non DC and Marvel books that we wanna we wanna kind of address here on the the third annual Funny Book Awards. So, Aaron,
1: my favorite non DC Marvel book, yes, is Planet of the Apes by Daryl Gregory. I, I I get so excited about that book every month. I I just totally dig it.
3: For me, I was kind of torn. I I thought about putting Daryl Gregory's company of uh, Dracula Company of Monsters here, but after a lot of soul searching, I, you know, I talked to my priest about it. Uh, eventually, we decided to go with uh, John Rogers' Dungeons and Dragons from IDW. It's a uh, go ahead, Tim.
2: I was gonna say I'm seconding that emotion. It's D and
3: D. It's a fantastic caper book. the The dialogue, just like Timmy said earlier, makes me literally laugh out loud, which is uncommon. The relationships between the characters are, are, are great. It's engaging. You know, with something like D and D, I think it would be really easy for a writer just to be real lazy and, and just you know, use all the the classic tropes and stereotypes. But John Rogers, man, he is not a lazy writer.
2: No, and like I, like I said when I was talking about the art, the art is phenomenal uh, well, when it's really good when, when it's it, just Andrew devito
3: absolutely
4: so. this kind of categ- this category was kind of hard for me because there were a lot of books that were vying for the title uh i'm loving what they're doing over with incorruptible mark wade is doing a wonderful job with that book it was a good year for kirkman both invincible and uh you know and the walking dead were both good uh Planet of the Apes, also an incredible book, but the book that really surprised me that came out about near the end of the year that I'm enjoying for nostalgia and just really good storytelling is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I didn't expect to like it as much as I am, but it is one of the books I look forward to each month, so this getting my vote.
5: I had to choose once again, between two books, um, rocketeer adventures, which I talked about earlier or atomic robo. And this year I think I'm going to go with atomic robo as my favorite non DC Marvel book. It is a book. It is probably when it comes to non DC Marvel books, the book I look forward to most every time it's released. Um, you know, I, I love the hell out of it. Uh, and, you know, I know we talked about Shinku being the best new series, and that, and that is non-DC or Marvel, but I, I I give it to Atomic Robo for this category, primarily because it came out more often this year. Um, it had a couple more books this year. They had two mini miniseries uh, throughout 2011. So Atomic Robo, love the book. Um, love every year they have the free comic book day. That's one of my favorite free comic book day books. Atomic Robo, my favorite non-DC Marvel series. Well, but it every- sounds like we had a winner.
4: I was going to say, let's let's face it too, Paul. We all had a lot of books that we absolutely loved that we wanted to mention on here, that we wanted to get the recognition. So we looked over these categories, and we found excuses not to put books that we thought should have won certain categories in to let them win other categories so we could name them all.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I tried to avoid repeats from section to section. I do have a little overlap, but, uh, but yeah, definitely. Again, you know, Shinku was new. At Dungeons and Dragons, I believe, actually started into 2010. So you know.
2: So D&D yeah, well, Power Attack, that 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 one right there.
3: Absolutely, yeah. boom combo.
2: I probably yeah. would have gone
5: for D and D myself, too. but I dropped out when the artist when they were having problems with the artist for a couple of issues.
3: They, I, yeah.
5: I will hop back in because it is a dynamite title, and I, I am definitely looking for. When I say dynamite, I don't mean the company. I mean it's just a good book.
3: <laughs> it's a great book from IDW, and it, they do have little bumps there when when Andrea can't can't get everything done on on it's a she right
5: yes no it's just no it's well, a dude it's a dude we looked him up
3: sorry he when has he has issues with that so I'm yes gonna... i <laughs> when he can't get everything on his own it is the, the art can get along even and a little uh frantic but uh schizophrenic that's the what i was looking for but uh but but let's move on to the big two let's yeah, talk right. about our, our favorite dc and or marvel series
1: and for me, uh, it is a breath of fresh air uh, in the, the superhero comic genre. It is a, a book that has completely re-envisioned the character it ha- while preserving its continuity. Um, and that's Daredevil by Mark Waid. Um, I just – I really dig the book. The artwork by uh, Paulo Rivera, Marcos Martin is so unique and so refreshing. Thoroughly dig it. Daredevil. All
5: right, for I'll me, go next.
1: Or, okay, I okay. go. Go,
5: go, Polly. Okay, for me, I, I love Daredevil. It almost made it. And in fact, what's kind of funny is the top three for me were all Marvel books. Considering Marvel is not my favorite publisher, you know I, I read more from DC, but the books I actually read from Marvel are fantastic <laughs> books, including Daredevil, Journey into Mystery, or Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, those were my top three, and. I went with Amazing Spider-Man uh, this year. I think it was a, a great year for Spider-Man. The best year for Spider-Man that we've seen in many years. It was the year that brought me back to Spider-Man. Yeah. Truly a, you know, a revitalization of the character, of the writing, of the art on that book. A, a solid book. Very few missteps. But even the missteps still led to a book that was better than most of the others on the stands that week. Amazing Spider-Man was my DC slash Marvel book of the year.
3: Woo-hoo. I I will second uh Paul's vote there. I also have down Amazing Spider Man. I thought it was much like you said it was engaging. Had they had great organic character development. I loved seeing Peter succeed at science. I loved Carly as the new girlfriend. Oh, she was fantastic. And
1: now the new ex girlfriend.
3: Yes. <laughs> uh you know, and unlike I know a couple people didn't like the loss of the spider sense, but but I loved it and I loved how that pushed him to become a better fighter without having to use that crutch and uh uh and this is also another book, one of those few couple of books where I will actually laugh out loud at spaces, at places in it. How about you, Timmy?
2: I have, I have two of them written down. Uh, I have Journey into Mystery and Avengers Academy written down. Um, Avengers Academy has been very, very solid, but I think I have to uh, point back to the love I threw for Kieran Gillan, and I got a vote for Journey into Mystery. Good book.
4: Well, we almost had a tie with Avengers Academy because Avengers Academy is my vote uh, as much as the as I've been enjoying amazing spider man i don't it's hardly ever my favorite book that I read that week. Avengers Academy is my favorite book that I read every every time it comes out. The writing on it is incredible the characters are great the characterizations are great, and it was even good through fear itself
2: and you know you know wayne i the reason I didn't vote for Avengers Academy is because Journey to Mystery uh, is giving me something that I, I haven't gotten almost anywhere else in, in the comics. That, that's the only reason, and it may and it, it's it's got a little bit of retro feel to make me you know harken back to you know Thor from the eighties. So that's, that's kind of why I voted for. it. But Avengers Academy is a great book. I think we read ev- a lot of books. everybody yeah. except for Paul likes.
5: Oh my god, that one issue guys made me read was terrible. Paul, shut up. Yeah, shut
3: up, Paul. <laughs> Paul, go to the back of the bus.
5: Jeez. So it was a good year for com- it was a damn good year for comics overall. Two thousand eleven, ex-
3: with the exception of Fear itself.
5: Yes,
1: or
3: anything by Matt Fraction.
5: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was the you know looking back on the year as we wrap up the program, it was the year Aaron decided that Grant Morrison actually can write some good stuff.
1: Yeah, but not
4: I think just, I'm off that book now. I was about to say, <laughs> not just Aaron, I even enjoyed some, you know, Grant Morrison books this year too. You know, I'm the writer that last year I voted as my most hated writer was Grant Morrison, and I enjoyed what he did in the beginning with uh, the New Fifty Two.
2: And I feel like I'm in a room with people like, you know, hentai. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? is have, okay.
3: What are have you guys ever? About? Tra- have you guys ever tried this auto-erotic auto association? Dude, it's like totally the way to go. Yeah, let's let's do it together. Yeah. hell yeah. No, based,
4: based on the trends that we're seeing, I'm pretty sure that uh, Grant Morrison will be back on the most hated list next year. <laughs> well,
5: yeah, it's not going so well, but I don't know. I don't know. His Batman stuff is coming back next year, and I enjoy his Batman, even though I am not enjoying action comics that much right now.
3: But you are enjoying Batman Leviathan. Lithi- oh, that's horrible. Leviathan. I-
5: <laughs> oh, Batman Leviathan strikes was so good. But that if that was another great one shot this year.
3: Oh wait, real quick. This was also the year that Aaron got an iPad.
5: This is true. And and and
1: 2012 is going to be the year that Andrew gets an iPad.
3: This is true. I uh thanks to the generosity of friends and family at Christmas, I have I have established a line of credit at Best Buy. So now now I'm just torn between buying immediately or paying attention to these rumors that the iPad 3 is coming out and the iPad 2 is going to drop uh, one to two hundred dollars when it does. iPad 3 is not coming out till at least the summer.
2: Is so to vote for best moment of 2011 was when uh, Ricochet got got uh, launched into a building by the big pink monster. <laughs> <laughs> in, so that was, in, that was he met, fantastic.
4: And he My met wife Lester is still time. going on and on about that, saying that I should have offered to fix Lester's you know building. H- how? You're not a craftsman.
3: You have no money. How are you gonna? That's fix what it? I told her. It's like like he knows how to fix a wall. He just knows how to be thrown through a wall. That's it. But, yes, yeah, so if anyone knows anything out there in, in the, the Internet sphere about whether those rumors are true or not, hey, drop us a line or comment on the blog post because I'm, I'm trying to make that decision whether to buy, say, today or today. In, a,
1: <laughs> in a couple months. Because if you do it today, that means you're on the show next Saturday, right?
3: That is true. Do it yeah. today. And let me – because you know people probably – I don't think this has been talked about, but uh, after I stopped uh, being on after the
0: show – yeah, <laughs> you guys
3: kicked me off because I wanted to go to soccer games with my son. Uh, right. Good choice. Um, uh, I, people know I, I dislike my local comic book shop, and I may have yelled about it a little bit. And as it went on, I started buying DC Online digitally, and I started picking up Marvel you know, a week late at Barnes & Noble. And I, I realized as it got close to the soccer season being over that I couldn't physically bring myself to go back to my comic book shop. I just... I couldn't do it. And I became physically ill thinking about stepping back in there and giving them money to support what's just a horrible, horrible business. So uh, I decided, you know, I need to... Because reading comics digitally, it's okay for a couple, but I, I couldn't do any real volume. I'm just sitting at my computer reading reading digital comics on, on it. I don't have a laptop. So that's when I decided that, that for Christmas this year, uh, I was going to, to solicit funds to either pick up a Kindle Fire or an iPad too. So... Um, uh, so once I pick that up, uh, I'll, I'll start picking up because, and it, it, remind me, Marvel's going to day and digital in March.
5: Yeah. I think March, I or, making, no, I think it's April,
3: March or April. So I you can know, come back and, and do, you know, uh, people we get preview copies from in DC until then.
4: Well, and some Marvel titles already are all the ultimate yeah, stuff. Right. is
3: that's oh, true, and maybe maybe that'll be my excuse to get into the hippie freaky ultimate comic yes. world. Don't, I have do not, don't do, do it. it. Don't do, do it. I have not jumped into the ultimate uh universe since the original run back in the what was that, late nineties, early two thousands?
4: Yeah, don't do I it. don't know about anyone else, but two thousand eleven was my the first year that I'd ever bought a digital comic.
2: Oh, let's keep talking about this fucking subject. God <laughs> damn it. You know so, what you know what I I want less of? This conversation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and on that note, we'll uh, wrap up this year's uh, uh, episode of the Funny Awards. Woo, woo! Um, so, uh, I lots of lots of great books out there that we that we have recommended to you through this show. Lots of books you should absolutely stay away from. <laughs> um, well- Writers, you should stay away from That's right. That's right. Writer.
2: If if we got it wrong, let us know. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of places for that. Absolutely. We've got a phone number that Paul is going to have to remember to put on this now that I mentioned it. Uh, No, uh, Aaron. Aaron, what's the phone number?
1: It's uh, 555. (laughs) It's (laughs) 917-something. Yeah, it's 972-something or other. Anyway, it'll be in the show notes. (laughs) I can't remember our phone number. Um, If you are listening to this episode right now, that means Knights of Rainsboro, issue 11 has dropped. And you should listen to it. It's one of my favorites of the series.
3: we're almost done with the first story arc.
2: All of it's been recorded. All of it's been recorded.
3: Yeah. It it comes to a fantastic conclusion. Very exciting.
2: The nerdgasm. Oh,
3: my God, is it good.
1: Well, guys... This was fun today, Andrew. Nice to have you back.
5: I think
3: good to be back, guys.
5: Good deal. On our third annual. Very impressive. I'm, I'm, can I'm see happy. Can you say that now? We our can annual? say that. Yes. Third yes. annual. Yeah.
2: Oh, thank God. Annual <laughs>
5: Funny Book Awards. Bam. Uh. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Hugs and kisses. Bye-bye.
1: Podcast theme music graciously provided by
5: Mark Andrew Pope.
1: For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.